Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 177. Today we've got the immense pleasure of featuring our own WordPress panelist, Jackie Dulia, and today we're putting the spotlight squarely on her. Before I let everybody introduce themselves, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Liquid Web. Now, Liquid Web has been known for years as a managed hosting company with tons of options, but recently they've designed a managed WordPress hosting environment perfect for mission-critical sites. If you have an important enterprise or mission-critical site and you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the hosting partner you've been looking for. Now, every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated directly in their management portal. And this allows you to update several sites with a single touch. Now, if you sign up today using the discount code WPTonic33, you'll get a 33% discount on your hosting package for the next six months. So visit liquidweb.com slash WordPress to get started and use the discount code WPTonic33. And with that, let's, uh, Jackie, for anyone who doesn't know you, introduce yourself really quick. I'm Jackie D'Elia. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I lived in Texas most of my life. Uh, I am a web consultant, web strategist. I do a lot of front-end development for clients, a little bit of SEO as well. Um, I run my own agency, Jackie D'Elia Design, and uh, I'm on your panel on Saturdays when I have a blast with y'all. No, and, and we're all the better for having you. Uh, I, I, my co-host, Jonathan, introduce yourself. I, um, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of WP Tonic, your trusted partner. There you go, John. Yep, and I'm John Locke, uh, founder of Lockdown Design. I help brick-and-mortar, blue-collar businesses with custom WordPress development and local SEO. Uh, jumping right into it, you know, Jackie, you've been involved uh, with the web and computers and programming for uh, much longer than myself. Uh, you know, just for people that don't know your origin story, go ahead and, and, and take some time to, to just kind of spell that out for people. Sure. Uh, basically, you know, I started uh, getting exposed to computers probably in my very early adult life. Um, bought a personal computer back in the 80s. Uh, didn't know much to do with it. Uh, I was working at a real estate company at the time. And of course, this was, I hate to date myself, but yeah, it was an early 80s time frame, somewhere mid 80s in there. And uh, they had gotten a computer there to manage all their real estate, uh, rental payments, management of the rental properties. And uh, I was fascinated by it. So basically, I was the person in charge of getting to work on it and, and do it. So I ended up working with the local guy who wrote this software, helping him clean up all the bugs that were in it. Because basically I found out later we were kind of a beta tester for this product. I ended up getting really good at working in DBase and he eventually hired me contract to do some work for him later on. And I eventually took over his business and ran that for a little over eight years. And I basically was, this was pre-internet, but I basically built a, a software package for managing homeowner associations, condominium associations, things like that, and had a full general ledger accounts payable and check writing and all of the functionality that everybody was looking for back then at that time. I sold that business in 95, and then I went and worked for a consulting firm for about four years. I did uh, just 
staff consulting for IT projects. Basically, that's what it was back then. I had a great time doing that. I learned a lot, and I got to work with a lot of Fortune 500 companies. So that was the the really nice spot was getting out of working with the small clients that I was working, very small businesses that were using the software that I was selling, and uh, went to work and got to work with very, very large Fortune 500 companies. And that was uh, a great experience for four years. And then after that, I went back to doing some development and I started my own e-commerce business that I ran for 10 years, um, which was a home and garden e-commerce store. And it was pretty, pretty much very trend-setting at the time. It was a lot of eco-friendly things. I was one of the first ones on there to sell a lot of eco-friendly products, reusable bags, got mentioned on the Rachel Ray show, got mentioned in the Wall Street Journal because we shipped our products with cornstarch peanuts and just lots of lots of cool stuff all around being green and eco-friendly. Um, and then after I sold that, I started this business that I'm in now, which was doing web design and, for clients, basically, and building websites and doing web design for clients. I had a little bit of a um, experience in the real estate industry. I was a, definitely a real estate broker for probably eight years, but just did it very part-time. But I met a lot of people in the real estate industry and ended up doing a lot of sites for clients for them as well. So that's kind of how I got to here. I found WordPress when I had my e-commerce business and I was looking to create a blog for it. I was using, I think we talked about it on our panel show, but I was using Yahoo store platform back in probably like 04 to 2012, somewhere in there. I was built my whole e-commerce site on that. But it didn't have any uh, basic website capabilities like to have a blog. So I, I ended up building a separate blog in WordPress. And that's when I got hooked on working in WordPress, I would say. Uh, and then it's been uh, later on, I started building websites. I started a garden blog. And then I started doing sites for clients. And now I just do that full time. No, that's definitely excellent. Um, you know, now that you're here in the WordPress community, you know, what are some differences that you see like in, in, in WordPress or the Genesis community um, as opposed to, to other uh, communities that are out there in the web? Well, I definitely think that the WordPress community and, and then in specifically too in Genesis too, because I, I work in Genesis and I know a lot of folks in Genesis that, um, that, that use it. Uh, it's very open, very friendly. Lots of people are willing to help each other. I like open source. Uh, you know, I mean, I know there's there are good things and bad things about everything along that. But it, when I first got exposed to WordPress, the fact that it was free and you could download it and you could host it yourself and you could improve upon it and customize it and modify it, that was uh, amazing to me. It was like a great like her opportunity to just be able to go and do things. And then the community there with all of the, the sharing of information, which encouraged me to start my own on my site, to have my own blog and write articles. I know you do, John, as well. You know, how to do, you come across something, you want to share it with others so that helps their journey uh, be a little easier as well. So I really like that about that. I didn't have, uh, my exposure to other software platforms was pretty limited. When I was doing consulting, working for a consulting company, you know, everything back then, there wasn't really anything that was open source. It was all proprietary software. And it's, uh, you know, they, they had um, some structures around everything, but I don't think that they had the community that, um, like something like a WordPress has, if that yeah. answers your question. It does. I mean, definitely. I think that's one of the strengths. One things that one of the things that I see, like when I look out at the, like some of the other general web communities, it's it's very tech bro influenced, and and like WordPress is more um, diverse, like in culture and in the people that are, you know, kind of a part of it. And and I, I think that that's one of the things that's like super appealing to me, um, you know. And and when it comes to that. Um, how did you, I, I know that you work primarily in Genesis. How, do, how did you come to, uh, you know, work with that primarily? Back uh, 
right after I got exposed to WordPress, I think I found thesis themes was probably the first one that I bought, a, like a framework, and started using that. And that was going well. And then things changed on that end. There were some changes there. And I, the direction that that was going and just didn't suit my needs. So I started looking elsewhere. And I remember reading that Brian Clark had left there was an association or something I'm trying to, I don't necessarily remember all the details, but I, his name came on my radar and I saw that he was involved and that they had created the Genesis framework and that Brian Gardner was involved. And uh, so that I, I ended up choosing to go that way. The reason I did was because it was utilizing a lot of hooks and filters the way that thesis was as well, because when I was ex originally exposed to that, I kind of like that flexibility and I know some people don't. I've talked to other folks that really uh, think it's just an added layer of complexity that they prefer to avoid. Uh, once you start really using Genesis and work with it every day, you realize that a lot of those things really just save you a bunch of time for me. Uh, I've learned how to structure my starter themes so that it's really super easy for me to build sites. And, you know, I've used some modern workflows now like SAS and Gulp and just uh, some other things that using like an auto prefixer and post CSS and lots of those things. Back when I was first doing that, I didn't use any of those things. So it was a manual build. It was I was working on a server pretty much on a host somewhere and you had to upload your files and then wait and see what it looked like. And uh, once I got exposed to local development environments and I think it was desktop server was probably my first um, thing that I had gotten. I was, wow, I could spin up a WordPress site and I can just do all the modifications here and then push it up to where it needs to be when I'm finished with it. And that really, I think that's the first jump for most people when they realize that they can do that and the time that it's going to save them on the development cycle and the process. It's because, uh, you know, back when I had my software company, everything was local. There wasn't any servers. We were working on local computers and had a little local Novell network that, you know, uh, so the development was pretty quick there because it was all local and things got more complex later as you started working and building sites on, on a host and having to upload files. And uh, of course, now think bandwidth is much better and things are a lot easier to do. So I wouldn't say it's as much of a hindrance as it used to be. But um, I really like developing locally and I'm really into learning about workflow tools and how to improve my process, which is why I started my podcast, Rethink.fm, because I was very interested in talking to other folks, finding out how they are rethinking their workflows and how they're doing their builds and how they're rethinking their, their entire process of building a website for a client. So that was my reason for that. And so that's kind of like my journey. I spend probably at least four to six hours every week learning something that I don't know yet. So I kind of block time and dedicate time for continuous education for me. It's like I want to hone my craft and just keep improving on it. I, and I realize if I don't do that, you know, I'll be three years from now, I'll be working with the same tools I was using today. And so you've got to make time for that. And I think for a lot of us, it's difficult because you're, you know, it's a, it's a competitive business. You're trying to make money. And the last thing you want to do is block a bunch of time to learn something that you're not using that you don't need today, right at this moment to get something done. But if you do that, it will improve your workflow, increase your productivity, your speed. And, you know, I went from customizing other people's themes to now working with my own and then, you know, really being able to like accelerate that development process. No, definitely what you're saying is pure gold. Uh, when it comes to like blocking out time for your own self-learning, do you, do you structure your week to where you're kind of putting that first or, or, you know, what kind of, of, of processes did you have to go through to uh, save that time for yourself? I typically use an early morning time for, cause I'm best for me, my brain works best in the early morning. So I typically block like an hour, an hour and a half, um, a couple of days a week in the morning to, and, and everybody, anybody who's listened to me knows I'm, I'm definitely a visual learner. So for me, things like lynda.com, linkedin.com, treehouse, 
Um, there's and there's several others. Those are my two favorites, though. They're my go-to. And then uh, Tanya Mork has Know the Code, so that's another membership site that I'm on. That's another very good resource too for really understanding how to write code. But I prefer for me to watch videos and uh, go through a specific you know, example of how to do something that really helps me um, internalize it and then put it into my own workflow. I know some other folks that really like reading books and will order a book about something and that will be the way that they learn. So one of the things I would encourage everybody to do is understand how you best learn and then exploit that. So then, you know, make that your way of learning. If, if you like listening to audio and that's how you learn, if you're, you know, that's the way you want to do it, great. If you are like me and have difficulty reading and it's no, uh, no, I think Morton's mentioned this, that he has challenges reading as well. And I mean, I was always embarrassed to tell people that I've read few books in my life. I have, you know, in college, I scanned everything and I had a pretty good visual memory, but most of why I got very good grades in college was because I just kind of recorded everything from what I was seeing, right? So I would remember, I've taken a test, I'll remember where my professor was standing in the room when he said something about this and then I would trigger a memory and I would remember the answer. But it certainly wasn't from reading the book, that's for sure. For me, that didn't work. So I love LinkedIn Learning, lynda.com, Treehouse, and I like learning things that um, are around the WordPress space. So for example, you know, I wanted to learn how to use SAS and I hear other people talking about it and it was like, okay, so I don't want to work in CSS straight anymore. I want to have partials and I want to understand how that works. So while it relates to WordPress and to how I would build a WordPress site now, it's really something that people are using for lots of different platforms to build websites. So I think understanding those individual pieces helps you understand how to bring that into whatever it is you're using for your platform to build things on. That uh, makes a big difference for me. So no, it's I, like I, exploring those things, watching, you know, a couple of jQuery uh, courses and then JavaScript courses and things like that, that you're going to need to pull in to, as you start to do more advanced work, you're going to need those things, pull those in, and then you'll, that will help you integrate that into WordPress. No, I think that's really great advice too, uh, knowing your learning style. Have you ever, um, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with um, the the multiple intelligences test. Have you ever done one of those? Uh, I think I have. There, but it's very keyed into, I'll link it up in show notes, but um, I, I think it it's runs kind of parallel to like learning styles because once you know like kind of your, where your like kind of different intelligences lie, it, it, you know, like what kind of learning style is is best for you as well, and uh, yeah, it's 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 really helpful. But I will definitely link that up in show notes. Uh, one thing that that you mentioned is you know you have rethink.fm as a way to connect to different people that are that are uh, pioneering stuff in their processes and in front-end development for Thinking Show. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you've changed in your processes since, since starting that podcast and, and getting ideas from other people? Oh, wow. There's been several great episodes in there. Um, just, I think probably one of the ones was uh, Diane Kinney and I had a great episode about user experience and that really has influenced how I'm looking at building sites now so that I'm looking more from designing user experiences versus designing a website and understanding. Uh, the other focus I have a lot on as a result of that is just, you know, on different devices, you're going to have different experiences and are you really spending enough time designing the right experience for those? I think that's uh, that's pretty important. And I've, there, there's been lots. You were on my podcast. You were the first episode. Yeah. You know, what did we talk about? Go ahead, share it. Uh, it was content first, uh, you know, web design. And yeah. that was, a, that, that was a, a, a thing, you know, I know that you really, uh, you know, preach that as well. Um, and, and why do you, here's a question to you, you know, like why do you think more web shops don't follow a content 
first strategy? Well, I think it's I I think the approach comes from the visual first, right? So you you know you do some fact finding with your client, and then you design a desktop. And I wrote a post about this last year mm -hmm. about the desktop mindset that we're all in. And it's you know not anything bad, but it is something to be mindful of, right? So you're building a design on a desktop. You're showing it to your client. They're on a desktop. Uh, the whole experience is being built. The tools you're using are all desktop tools, right? So we're all working on a desktop. But um, statistics show now that, you know, more people are consuming what it is you're creating on other devices. And I don't think that we spend enough time on that. Many of them uh, are just cost considerations because if you're going to design one desktop design or you have to do three where you've got to have a tablet design and a design for mobile phones and maybe different content on there, right? So there's, there's a different reason that somebody is visiting a site on a mobile phone versus on a desktop, right? So maybe, and if you're a local business, maybe there's some other things that are going to be much more relevant for your smartphone visitor than on the desktop. Right? So they might have to have the address, the phone number, some other things. You might have to rearrange content and do some and do some work. Flexbox does make that easier. We were chatting about that earlier about, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can reorder things on different media uh, widths. So that does help in some ways. It's not a true like adaptive design where your design changes based on the device, but it, it does make it easier. So having that mindset about you know, you need to devote attention to the experience is is a is a nice way to break out of that, and then mixing that in with the content, right? So it's if you build a site and you fill it with a bunch of just blank text, you know, just text with lorem ipsum text for people to see, and then you come back later and then realize that your client has based on what the content is they finally have put together that you might have to be making a lot of changes to your design. It doesn't make much sense to me. I think it's better to take a look at what the content's going to be and then kind of design the site around that. And maybe you do that in tandem together, or maybe you do, and I've seen some other agencies that actually spend time at the beginning, and I think it is very smart to do, doing the copywriting, getting all of that done. It has nothing to do with how the site looks, but it's like, what is your message? How do you want to present it? What do you need to say? And, you know, how can we organize the information? And then build a design that suits that versus most people will buy, will see a design they like, right? And this is especially true if you're like building your own site or somebody's doing an implementation for you and you've purchased a theme and they're going to, to do that is kind of, twisting your content to fit the design of the site. And I don't necessarily think that that's the best approach. And of course, it's definitely not going to create the best experience for your visitors because they really should be receiving your content the way that you want to present it, not the way necessarily a theme wants to present it. No, that's, that's brilliant. I couldn't agree more. Uh, we're going to head to our break and then when we come back, I'm going to kick it over to Jonathan and uh, we'll be talking more with our featured guest, Jackie D'Elia. See you after the jump. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's WP Tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back from the break and we're talking with Jackie Delia. And I want to pass the baton over to you, my co host, Jonathan. Oh, thanks, John. So, Jackie, um, you know, you're a lady in a very uh, male-dominated field. Um, how's that been in general? 
really haven't had any any issues with it at all actually i find the community very open and very receptive of course i haven't tried to break into areas that maybe are more gender focused than uh the work i do and of course i run my own business so i can kind of pick and choose what i want to do but I do think, you know, there's room for improvement for sure in this space for that. And I think uh, encouraging people who are interested in doing it to to participate is uh, is a positive thing. Well, I think that's one of the strengths of the WordPress community is um, um, I, I, I think being a lady, you know, if you're a woman and you want to get into development, um, I think the WordPress community is quite open to that. I actually think uh, ageism is more of a problem in the in the WordPress community and in web development design in general. Would you agree with that, Jackie? It is, and I think that if you approach, I try to approach the projects that I work on from an experience perspective. So, you know, I've got a broad range of experience working with a lot of different businesses, different sizes of companies too. So I bring some other things to the table that maybe somebody who is very young and hasn't had that opportunity to go through those experiences yet. Uh, so I bring some different things to the table granted maybe yeah i worry sometimes maybe i'm not fast enough maybe i'm not working quick enough like some younger folks might be able to do but i do think that what really makes a successful project is understanding what your clients needs are and i think experience helps you do that better i'm not saying that it's the only way to do it but i definitely think having business experience life experiences helps you understand what clients need and once you do that and you have a methodology and a way to deliver that right so you have a way okay i understand what you need now i have the tools that i can use to build that i think that makes it much easier to produce a successful outcome oh, i think that was great um i'd like to ask you because obviously um you've got um, as I know, you've got a lot of experience in e-commerce on both sides of the fence, really, which is quite unusual um, and great. Um, so what, you know, obviously you, you, you are utilizing a fully hosted um, solution and now in part of WordPress, you've got WooCommerce. Um, what would you describe the strengths of going for a fully hosted solution and what, and what are the benefits of looking at a solution like WooCommerce in your mind? Yeah, uh, it depends on the size of the business. I lean more towards the hosted solution for that. I do think there were some advantages uh, to like even the Yahoo Store platform, which wasn't the best one. There's lots of others that are available now that I might have chosen <laughs> if it was a different time period. But one of the things that I did like about that was it had all of the functionality built in and it was designed to work together. I think the challenges that come with running a small WooCommerce site still are figuring out how to hook everything up. How does these plugins work with those plugins? You know, resolving all of your conflicts, your inventory, and how do you do refunds? And there's lots of things. What was nice about the hosted solution I had was that it was all in a dashboard. It was very easy to manage and do, so it left me to, to run my business. And I think the other thing is, is that with people jumping into running an e-commerce business, I think a lot of times I learned the hard way. So basically I started my e-commerce business in my home. I remember probably my first holiday season, I had like 24 little boxes at my front porch for the UPS man to pick up. And that was how that whole thing started. I had inventory in the garage. And I mean, that is how the whole thing ran. So Scaling that up to a 5,000 square foot warehouse later and five employees and all of that was, you know, I didn't have anybody teaching me, well, this is the way that you would do that. So it was learning the operational procedures of how you would go about running that business was uh, an awesome learning experience, but I had to learn myself the hard way. I had to learn how to manage the inventory, do the shipping and, you know, how to 
kind of just make that whole workflow work so that I could ship 200 orders in a day. And that was, uh, that was it. So from a WooCommerce perspective, I think there's room for improvement. And I certainly think that the reason, and I could, you know, this is just my opinion, but I definitely think the reason that Automatic purchased WooCommerce was because they're going to have an opportunity to offer a hosted store platform on WordPress.com, which makes a lot of sense. You have like Big Commerce, Shopify, and lots of others that are offering that. And if you can package that up with a quick way to spin up a pretty site that, uh, you know, is matches what, what it is you want to do and has all that functionality built in, I think that's great. I think over the past few years, it has been challenging. I mean, up until recently with Let's Encrypt and some other things for SSL, a lot of these things were very complicated. I remember the first time I had to do an SSL certificate on there and I was like, and you know, I mentioned this Saturday when we were on the podcast, you know how I feel about anytime I have to go into a domain um, area and have to do changes. I feel like they're asking me to work with live wires and hook up sockets and light switches because I feel like I'm going to blow something up. And I remember the first time I was like, okay, here's your code. You have to cut and paste this code and put this somewhere else. And it was all like behind the scenes and you really didn't understand what you were doing. And I think a lot of that is still challenging for most people. And I think the hosted solution is best for somebody who wants to start up a small <clears throat> mom and pop business and really wants to focus their time and attention on growing their business, doing their marketing, shipping their products or, you know, whatever it is that they're doing versus messing with plugins and uh, dealing with compatibility issues or installing certificates and all of those things that go with that. Yeah, I, think I totally agree with your great answer, Jackie. Very insightful. Um, so, uh, increasingly, as a front-end developer, you know, JavaScript is increasingly um, becoming a part and a large part of a, a front-end developer's tool chest of required skills. So, um, but when I was when I was actively doing front-end design, um, it was CSS and, and PHP. Uh, involved around WordPress, basically. How you're dealing with with JavaScript and the demands of um, increasing your skills in that area? Well, I definitely have spent quite a bit of time taking courses. And if I'm doing a WordPress project, which I typically am, uh, WordPress already has jQuery installed, right? So to me, and this is just my own brain working. I'm thinking, okay, well, I might as well just learn the jQuery and be able to, because it's very CSS-like, right? So that, and I love CSS and SAS, so I was like, okay, I can take that and just adapt it quickly into working with jQuery. I've taken enough JavaScript courses to understand the differences, uh, right? But it has definitely opened up the possibility to be able to do things that weren't. I just did a project last week where I needed to add some buttons and I did it through jQuery and was able to wire it all up so that it works correctly where I was using an external page that was coming from an API. So I didn't have the ability to go in and change what was being sent to me, but I had the ability to like create my own version of it using jQuery. And in that way, I was able to deliver something to the client that they wanted that before that, I wouldn't have been able to do. I would have just said, well, no, we can't do that because this is how you're receiving the what your data and there isn't any way to change it. So now there's plenty of ways to interact with the page and make changes to it. And I find that, I get very excited every time I do it. I was like, wow, this is so cool. I was able to change all of that and do this. And uh, I think more people if you're if you're not in that and you're thinking gee i'd like to be you know go watch a few of those uh, basic jquery courses and if you're in wordpress i think that's the easiest way to get started because it's already there you're not having to load another uh framework or load another uh js into wordpress to be able to use it and get started and um it's already there you might as well make use of it yeah, I agree with you there, Jackie. I think if you're from a front-end development background, jQuery is probably the easiest. Um, utilizing the skills that you've already learnt 
and applying them and then it's a good um i'm looking for the right word here a, a good way of familiarizing yourself with some of the javascript um but you still being able to use some of your previous learned skills as well so yes i totally agree with you have you looked at any of the other javascript frameworks at all or has it just been jquery that you've been concentrating on just jquery that i've been concentrating on right now and i will share one thing that stumped me in the beginning when i first You'll find jQuery code out on the web, right? And you will try to take it and put it into your WordPress build. And you'll realize it isn't working right. And then you realize, you know, you have to use a non, like a compatibility mode. I, I can't remember all of the, the steps, but basically the dollar sign that you're using, that they typically use to start the jQuery, isn't going to be available to you. And you have to, um, you have to define it inside of there to get it to start to work. And I had a hard time finding the answer to that. I remember that. And I ended up going and finding some code that I knew worked in WordPress and then figuring out how they did it and then adapted it to mine and started realizing I found some forums where that information was, was available. They were talking about it. So my, my thing is, is that if you um, are looking for that, if you see a jQuery script out there and it's not a WordPress one, um, realize that you might have to make some adjustments to it to get it to work. Save yourself from like banging your head on the desk and going, I don't understand why this isn't working. And and uh, it it's just because you have to make some changes to it. Well, you know, the whole area's got a little bit of a bad um, taste to it in a way because of conflicted um, library calls, external library calls, conflicting jQuery. Any insights and advice to the kind of newbie developer around how to do it correctly and some of the... I'm still learning. I, I would not say that I'm an expert in that at all. I have... Um, my, my advice is find the folks who do it really well and, you know, go and look at what they're doing. Study the code versus just trying to guess and assume, you know, and, and see if you can sort out why, uh, how things work. Um, I had seen some, I don't know if it was somebody I was, something was with Carrie Dills and Ozzy Rodriguez, and there was a problem with the theme, and Ozzy came back and had an answer, and he had his jQuery completely different. It had like jQuery at the bottom of it at the end to close it. And that opened up another whole conversation for me as understanding, okay, well, what's the difference between that and the other one? So um, I wish there were more courses for using jQuery in WordPress. There's plenty of jQuery courses, but there's the disconnect with how do you use that within WordPress. So I think that's an opportunity for somebody to, to basically say, you know, okay, Here's the do's and don'ts for using it in WordPress. This is how you should do it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, well, obviously, um, Jake, um, my, mind, my mind's gone blank. He came on the show. He's been running a couple of courses, extensive courses from, he used to work from Treehouse. Oh, Zach Gordon? Zach yeah. Gordon. Yeah, yep. Zach Gordon. Um, we'll probably put some links in the show notes, folks. Um, I would imagine he'd be a great resource. Um, in that area. We have to have him back on the show. Great guy. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you deal with on a day to weekly basis that you're still trying to overcome, Jackie? Blocking my time. Time management seems to be one of the bigger challenges I have. And I'm getting better at it. I am going through my calendar and blocking out specific time to do development work. I think when you're and I've had an opportunity lately to do some work with teams, right? So I've been not just myself. So the Slack channel and a lot of discussions all the time can be very helpful, but they can also be a huge distraction and keep your... Let me, all right, let me roll it back. This is what my thinking is on this. I think that when your brain is in a receiving mode, right, and you are... You see people walking around with their cell phones all the time. Everybody's looking at them. They are watching the notice on their screen every time something comes over from Slack or some notification. To me, you're in like a receiving mode, right? So you're on alert. You're trying to receive. I think when you're in that mode, it really inhibits your creativity. So when you disconnect yourself from that, that allows you to stay in the moment with yourself 
and work through your creative process to come up with a solution. And I find when I'm writing code and I'm trying to solve a problem that removing myself from all the distractions makes me much more productive. And so that's kind of like my mission now is to um, make better use of when things are really emergencies and when things aren't and when things need my attention right now and then making sure I'm blocking time off when I am shutting things off so that I can work on my creative process, whatever it is I'm building. And I think I think we all benefit if we were doing that. I think it's very difficult with constant distractions all day to stay focused and to stay with it because uh, I don't know, I know you guys both have done development, so you know that it's like a fluid train of thought that you're going through all the time as you're doing something. And the moment you break that, it's like you've got to roll yourself back and find where you were and hope you're back on that same right path again because you're like... Yeah. Your steps ahead when you're writing code. It's like you're you're writing something right now, but you're already thinking ahead. Okay, well, what's the next step I've got to do, and then what, and then how is that going to cascade and affect this? And you're in that zone. And when you have distractions, you kind of lose that. Is yeah. just my perception. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I was just the same, but um, um, my background, it, my my attitudes are very similar to yours um, around my my background and and i totally agree with you maybe others are a bit different i'll be surprised if they are um but is you know some people's um mythology of working are quite different aren't they jackie yeah there are some people who are better at multitasking than others too so i mean you it's it's all relative but if you find yourself struggling or you find that it takes you longer to recall your thought, what it is you were working on, uh, do a test for yourself. Shut some, shut everything off for an hour or two. See how much work you get done. You'll get a feel for, you know, when. Also, too, know what times of day you're really productive in. I know what my zone is for me. I know that it is and I get up very early every day. And I know friends of mine say they think it's crazy, but I'm usually up by five. And I'll do some learning between that and six. And then I'll walk in the morning for like an hour. But by seven, I'm already at my desk working. And between seven and 11 a.m. is probably like my most productive time. So for like phone meetings and things like I try to schedule those in the afternoon because I, they're not going to require as much of my creative process, I guess. Yeah, great. So you've been working with some teams lately. Um, what have you learned from that, actually, um, working with teams um, and how different that is than working majority of the time on your own? Yeah, I think when you, when you put together a team, it's really important to have like a consistent workflow that everybody's using and processes to follow. I think it's much more difficult when you are thrown into a team and everybody has different ways of working and it's a lot of struggles internally to understand how you're going to work with each other so um for example you're going to get you're with a team and that team isn't using any version control yet so i've had that happen and you know you're you're used to using version control and if you're not using version control it is so simple to learn. I, there's plenty of courses, very easy for getting basics with Git, but I would encourage you to, to really do that. That was one of the journeys in my own workflow was, you know, okay, really taking a hold of using version control. So it'd be difficult on a team, you know, you want to make sure everybody's using version control. You want to make sure that everybody is understands what their role is in it and um, what their responsibilities are. And defining all of those things out really makes it uh, a lot easier to accomplish things. It is nice to have a team where people can focus on their strengths too. So um, when you work by yourself, you know, you're maybe you're doing design, maybe you're doing some development, or you're, you're kind of a quasi. I definitely live in the zone where design and development cross. I like that space a lot. That's like what I really enjoy. But there are some folks that 
are very much on the developer end and don't enjoy anything with design. And then there are folks that are definitely more design oriented. So it's really nice to have a team where you've got somebody that can handle all the design stuff for you and somebody who's a project manager that can actually keep everybody on track and make sure that things are moving along and getting done. And then you've got some really good people focused on development that can take specific tasks and just knock them out um, versus trying to do all of those things yourself. I think that's where, and if you're going to scale and do a bigger project, a team with different strengths makes so much more sense. Oh, that's great, Jackie. I'm going to um, throw it over back to my um, co-host, John, and see if he's got any final questions. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so when it comes to marketing yourself or, um, you know, making like a solo consultancy or a small you know, consultancy work, what advice would you give our listeners, Jackie? Don't give up too early. I think it's it takes time for that to happen. And if you're thinking about doing it full time, I, I even think in my case, I may have started too soon with that. And just, just as, as a perspective in hindsight, I think you want to make sure that you've got enough money saved that you can get through that process of building up a client base. I think if you start off at the beginning and you don't have any funds, you're going to end up underpricing projects and really getting yourself off to um, a difficult start that's going to make it hard to unwind later because you're going to have clients that are used to working with you in a specific price point and you're going to want to, you're going to realize that your model is not sustainable. So I think from a marketing perspective, you want to make sure that you're, you're, really being honest with yourself about what is a sustainable model for your business how many hours a month are you going to work and what do take a look at what you're averaging an hour and you know most of us will we all agree you know there's been times you've done projects and you've gone through and you've realized you know you were making eight dollars an hour on this project because you didn't either scope it properly or you did a fixed price with no scope or you know lots of um, challenges that you will have so Coming up with a sustainable model is important, doing networking, and really leveraging your referrals. So, you know, that may, that may be a challenging part for a lot of people because they may not be as comfortable with um, going out and marketing themselves and talking with people. But uh, networking and getting referrals is a great way to build a business. No, I think that's great advice. Definitely. Um, and last question, just to wrap it up, when it when it comes to like networking, uh, how do you split that between, uh, you know, like your target clients, or or like professional contacts? Like, what what sort of percentage split? I would say it's probably. 50-50, I think I get a lot of referrals from existing clients, but I also get referrals from people I know in the network that I'm in, right? So my whole professional network, friends, people that maybe are not clients of mine will refer people to me. I've seen where I've gotten referrals from somebody that saw my name mentioned on Facebook about something and they contacted me and wanted to work with me and have hired me to to do a project for them. So staying in touch with that I think is great. I think also having a network of people in our community, uh, fellow developers, designers, there's so many great collaborative efforts you can do. I just did a project with somebody that I, um, with Kathy Bosco, that she was on Rethink.fm and we had done a little work together last year um, on a pro bono project. But we ended up now working on a paid project together, uh, leveraging her strengths and mine. And I think that's uh, that's a win, right? So that's work that I would not have gotten had I not gotten to know that person, networked with that person, and spent some time and then realized, okay, there's a great synergy here for doing some collaborative work. So don't be afraid to... Um, take on that and let folks know that, you know, I'm willing to work on a collaborative project because I think you can get bigger projects that way. And I think um, the, they'll be more profitable. Let's put it that way. I do think that there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, working collaboratively can lead to not only bigger projects, but more profitable projects. So I, I do agree with you there. 
And I do think that, you know, uh, networking with, with your peers is, is important and networking with your target clients is important because if you're a known quantity, if you're a known person, you're more likely to get referrals from each, from both of those. So Yes, and, and definitely focus on your niche too. Let people know what you really enjoy doing what you're, and what you're good at. Uh, that will help kind of put that puzzle together for where you might be able to work on some projects with someone else. No, I think that's, that's truly spoken. If people know what you specialize in, they can refer you for that thing. Um, well, I think we're to the end of our episode. Uh, anything that you would like to promote and where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jdelia. Um, my website is jackiedelia.com. You can also find me over at rethink.fm. I'm working on getting season two launched right now, so look for that sometime the end of April. I expect the first episode to air, and uh, love to hear from anybody that's that's uh, interested in working together or has any questions that I might be able to help them with. Excellent, uh, Jonathan. Where can we find you? Oh, thanks, that John. But before, I just want a quick plug again, Liquid Web. Uh, folks, it's a great offer and they're a very established hosting company. So if you're thinking um, that you've got a client or you've got existing clients and you're looking for quality enterprise uh, business level WordPress specialized hosting solution, um, I would really utilize um, Liquid Web and utilize the um, special offer that you will find on the WP Tonic website. It's a great offer. How you can find me, folks, it's quite easy. Um, on Twitter, at Jonathan Denwood. I, I think I'm the only one on Twitter with that, that tag. Uh, or you can email me. I do reply to my email, folks, if it comes from a person with a question or query. I love helping people. And that's Jonathan at, uh, Jonathan at wp-tonic.com. Excellent. And you can find me at my website, which is LockdownDesign.com. You can find me on Twitter, Lockdown underscore, uh, or follow me on Facebook, just uh, Facebook.com slash LockdownDesign. For the WP Tonic Posse, we're saying see you later, peace out, and join us this Saturday as we're talking the best e-commerce plugins for WordPress. There you go. See you on Saturday. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.